life wants us to live. It wants us to be happy. It wants us to be supported. So we just have to lean into that belief and those thoughts as much as we can and just take it one step at a time. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. Thank you for coming back to listen. Super excited about today's guest. Our daughter has been at different treatment programs and had lots of different type of therapies. And uh, one that was very, very helpful for her this last year was ketamine treatment. Uh, I don't, I know a little bit about it, but what I do know is that it really, really helped my daughter with a lot of her just again, processing through a lot of the things that she was going through with her eating disorder recovery. And so um, my guest today, Blake Freedom, um, has had an experience with ketamine and uh, it has really helped her as well. So thankful that I got connected with her. And so we're excited to um, have this conversation today on the podcast about her journey, her, again, help with ketamine and just lots of other really good things. So thank you for being with me today, Blake. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you are welcome. Just glad to be connected. And uh, again, glad to share things that um, that was part of my hope of this podcast as I started it was to just share things that have helped either me as the mother of somebody who's uh, struggled and struggling with an addiction or eating disorder, or things that have helped others on their journey too. So, so excited. I think it's really important that we share our stories. Yeah. So I'm so glad you're doing this. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, as we always do, we start with the story. And I know that when I connected with you, the ketamine wasn't exactly related to your eating disorder because that was many years ago. But as we talked, there was a story there. So I'd love to have you yeah. share about that. And, um, you know, as we say, not all of the down and dirty details and things like that, but just the things that are most that you feel is most important. And I know that as you shared with me, you know, that idea of hitting rock bottom um, cause sometimes mm-hmm. many times people say you got to hit rock bottom in order to sometimes want to make that change. So I think that that's an right. interesting part of your story to share as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. Like I hate that that often has to be the the case, but that was my experience. I struggled with an eating disorder for many, many years. I didn't realize that I had an eating disorder until I, a doctor really pointed it out to me when I went to urgent care thinking I had like mono or something. Cause I had no energy and was just in a very bad mental space. And I was definitely in denial. I went back into denial, but, um, a series of things happened. I ended up living out of my car and, um, couch surfing and just really hit a, a bottom where I didn't really want to continue on with life anymore. I just felt like there wasn't a path for me of happiness. Um, I was 25 at the time and I just was not doing well in any way, shape or form. I was definitely malnourished. Um, the doctor had warned me that if I didn't seek help, I was going to experience physical issues like my organs shutting down. He really 
tried to communicate with me that I was in a really bad place, but I was not going to admit that to myself. In fact, when he told me that I had, that I was severely malnourished and had all the symptoms of anorexia, my response to him was, but I'm too fat to be anorexic because that was the, the dysfunctional thinking that I was living in. And I was so, so disconnected from my body. So I ended up um, hitting rock bottom and deciding that I didn't want to continue my life anymore. And I made a plan and, um, you know, I was walking forward toward that end point. And I had this divine intervention. I felt this energy come over me and I just had this awakening and realized that, you know, if I do this, I'm not coming back and that it's permanent. And, um, I just realized I do want to live. I just don't know how. So that day I, well, that night I spent hours researching treatment centers. I just knew that if I don't get help immediately, then I'm either going to hurt myself or things are just going to get worse physically. So I ended up finding um, a holistic treatment center in Arizona. I was checked in a week later and I packed a bag. I knew I was leaving my old life behind. I just fully stepped into, there's literally no other option, but for me to get better. So I put everything that I had into this process of healing, really got into healing my trauma, learning tools to help me move forward, um, creating a vision for my life. Cause I think it's really important that we move towards something, not just away from our addictions or eating disorders. Um, I think having that vision really helps us move through the very difficult times and I truly believe that trauma is like the core of all of these problems. Um, so I left treatment at 25. I manifested living on the beach um, in San Diego. My dream, I got my dream job at Apple. I really just focused on creating this life and realizing that I have this gift of this self-awareness and you know, getting the tools that I needed in order to create a good life. And one of those tools was EFT tapping, which I'm completely obsessed with. And so fast forward 10 years, um, I'm back in Colorado where I grew up and really worked on healing myself, my relationship with myself. And then when COVID started my relationship with my family, which has been such a blessing because I wasn't really in their lives for a long time. When I went to treatment, I needed to kind of step back from all of that. So, um, when it comes to the ketamine journey, what is so interesting is that in January of this year, I started experiencing severe depression and it was very odd to me because, you know, I'm this year, I celebrate 11 years of recovery from anorexia, orthorexia. And I just, I've been so good with my tools. Like if something happens or, you know, I'm going into a negative space or some type of trauma happens, or I'm triggered, um, even through like breakups and situations that in the past would have kind of made me spiral out. I was so good at keeping myself balanced and working through the things that, you know, would have been very difficult for me in the past. And I just hadn't ever gotten to a place where I felt so down. Um, and so it honestly scared me. I was having like very dark thoughts and it just was not me. I didn't feel like myself. So thankfully, you know, I've learned over the years that asking for help is a strength, mm -hmm. <laughs> which you know, <laughs> some right. people think it's a weakness. No, it's a strength. And I just knew, you know, something was wrong. And I had this moment of breakdown with my mom and was like, mom, like something is wrong. And I just, I don't know what to do. And she said, you know, how can I help you? And I said, I need chemical support. You know, I, I need to see a psychiatrist because whatever's going on in my brain is not, you know, something's not right. And 
Um, I want to find a therapist, but I know that I need some help with the chemistry in my brain because obviously something's not working correctly. Um, and it took me some time over the last 10 years to be comfortable with accepting chemical support. I think that, you know, as somebody who's very spiritual and, you know, um, follows a lot of Eastern medicine, I was very resistant to that. Like, oh, I need to be able to heal everything naturally. And there's gotta be supplements and, you know, different processes. And, um, it ultimately came down to, you know, several years ago that I really did need some help with some depression and some, um, you know, ups and downs that I was experiencing. And, um, I, once I accepted that, you know, a mood stabilizer is really going to help me, it just, my whole life changed. So going through that process of already having chemical support and then experiencing this depression, I just did not understand. So I reached out to a mental health center here, um, in Denver, and I went and saw, um, a psychiatric nurse. And she told me that interestingly, interestingly enough, she had seen these symptoms for people who had COVID and didn't know it. And so things like severe depression, horrible brain fog, fatigue. I mean, I was at a point where like, I was almost not functioning. I was not able to work. I, it, I was scared. I just thought, I don't feel like myself. And she said, I have seen that so many times that people don't feel like themselves after COVID and they come in and this is, they don't realize that they had it until these mental health symptoms showed up. And she was like, have you had COVID? And I was like, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I had right. a few colds, <laughs> you know, it shows up differently for everybody who knows. Um, and so and you she, hadn't had any testing to indicate that you could have no. had it or yeah. yeah. And to be honest, I think that, you know, as time has gone on and the different strains and everything like that, we are all kind of maybe experiencing it differently. Like some people have different symptoms than others. And then Omicron is showing up, you know, differently than the, the past strain. So I didn't have any moment where I thought, oh, this could be COVID. Although I do have friends that said they had a really, really bad cold and tested positive. So it just never occurred to me. And I've been like, so just alone and really living in a space of being very distant and really trying to stay healthy and stay safe. I've really only seen my family. I'm single and I live alone. So I was always kind of already being protective. So I, it didn't occur to me like, mm -hmm. oh, I could have COVID. Let me go take a test because I could infect someone. So, um, and honestly, that's what they told me, you know, people come in and they didn't even know until they started having these mental health issues. So that turned out to be something that is actually kind of common. And it surprised me because I haven't heard anybody talk about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so she suggested that I do ketamine treatments and I didn't know what that was. Right. I mean, the street drug ketamine special K, I mean, some people take it for, you know, recreational uses, which I don't recommend. <laughs> um, right, well, I talked to, you know, when this was first, um, just to interrupt a little bit, but you know, when I was first introduced to it or my daughter started talking about it, actually it was the round at ERC before this one, I was like, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a natural person too. I'm not into recreational drugs and except for mm -hmm. a glass of wine, if you want to call that within the recreational, um, <laughs> you know, section or if you will, but, um, but 
I was just like, I don't know, tell me about it. And I talked to my brother who um, lives in Colorado. And so he knows a little bit more about that, the whatever they call that, the legal is not so much legalization, but just the openness to different type of treatments, if you will. And he right. did say, yeah, it's, it can be used recreationally, going to a concert or something like that. And I was like, right. ah. but if you do some research on it, there's some studies that show that it and that's what I found when I first looked into it, that it really helps with the severely depressed. Again, I wouldn't have said that necessarily my daughter was, but she certainly had some depressive symptoms, if you will, uh, within her. Um, and, um, and we'll talk about that in a second, but also some OCD and some, you know, uh, stuck thoughts and things like that. So, right. um, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes these things can be a little scary when you hear about them, but, but I love that. I love that we were, because even, I think we talked even in the pre-call about, you know, there's microdosing mushrooms, there's different types of things that people have found and, you know, that used in certain ways can help certain things. So, um, so yeah, continue on again. I think that that's, and in Colorado, I mean, none of the other treatment centers, I don't know if they use it or not, because maybe ketamine is the place that it can be, uh, you know, it can be used. Well, a friend of mine had mentioned it, you know, I want to say like six months ago and I, it I kind of floated in one year, year and out the other, to be honest, I didn't really know much about it, but she was telling me that there are treatment centers all over the country that do offer ketamine. It's, it's more of, we're becoming more aware of it as a treatment. I think that it's probably been going on longer than we thought. Um, you know, there's a few different ways that they offer the treatment. So there's a nasal spray that is, um, approved by the FDA. So you can get insurance coverage for that. And then there's the IV treatment, which is what I did. And, um, that's what my psychiatrist recommended for me because she was just saying, you know, the nasal spray, it's not as like, we can't control the amount as much. And with the IV, we can give you a very specific amount. Um, research shows that six treatments really gives you the best um, outcome. And so she suggested that I do six treatments. Um, you know, insurance did not cover it. So I did was paying out of pocket for it. And it's great for people who are drug resistant, um, to other psych, you know, psychiatric meds, or are just in a place where they really need something that works immediately. And that's, what's so wonderful about it is that you get, you get the treatment and you have a response immediately. Whereas when you start taking an antidepressant or a mood stabilizer, you know, it takes time and that can be very challenging. Like you're waiting several weeks to feel something different. And then people can feel like, well, it's not working. And it's like, well, you have to stay on it and keep using it, you know? So, um, I was really surprised, but excited in a way that there was something that could help me immediately. Cause I was really just honestly not functioning well. And it just, I was not in a good place. And so what's interesting about ketamine is that it's a sedative. So they actually use it for, um, different procedures like dental procedures. And then I think for like certain pet surgeries, um, it's not an anesthesia for a human because you know, the amount, but they discovered that after people were having these procedures, their mental health was improving. They're feeling better. They're experiencing more happiness. And so they over time created this connection of, Oh, this might be able to treat mental health. And, I was watching a video of another psychiatrist talking about it. And they said that it just, the research has exploded in the last year. It's been around Mm. for a bit, but more people are, are using it. There's more research. They're beginning to discover, you know, the short-term and the long-term effects. And so, like I said, I, 
had not heard of it. I didn't know very much about it. Somebody had mentioned it to me, but I didn't really think anything of it. And I said, sign me up. When can I start? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think I went in like two days later and, um, you know, it's obviously prescribed. She had to prescribe it. And it was a very, you know, calm experience. I was in a a small room. I was in a lazy boy chair. There was a facilitator there. You know, she kind of prepared me for the experience. I had some music. She said, you know, the things you need to know is listen to music without lyrics. Your subconscious mind is going to be very open. Um, you know, it's not a hallucinogen. Like a lot of people have had a lot of people ask me that, but you do can, can get kind of daydreams. Um, you want to go in with a positive mindset. You want to set an intention and that the real healing happens after the treatment. So your subconscious mind is being opened and it's actually repairing the neural pathways that have been broken from depression. And one of the reasons why it works so well with OCD is because it's reprogramming the mind and it's taking, you know, it's really opening up your mind to re like heal itself. Cause I mean, our mind is very malleable. And so she said, you know, you want to practice mindfulness. You want to practice gratitude, like be very conscious after the treatment and just, you know, go on with a positive mindset. Well, I was so depressed. I'm thinking, okay, positive mindset, like, oh man, I'm having a hard time finding gratitude right now, you know? And, and I, but I knew that I wanted to get the most out of it. And so I thought about my cats and I was like, oh, I just love them so much. I don't know what I would do without them. You know, it just, that gave me a sense of joy. So I honestly went in feeling like life is doomed, but I love my cats. So, um, I thought about them and I set an intention and, you know, in situations where I'm nervous, I call on my angels and I just set up a space where energetically I feel safe. And she actually talked to me a lot through the procedure and, you know, it took a little bit for it to kick in, but I just kind of felt like, you know, just super relaxed, very open, you know, just like not under, but just a little bit, just kind of sedated, but just also very present. And I had this moment in my first treatment where I just kind of saw myself in a hole. Like I was in this dark hole. I felt like I, there was no room to move, you know, everything just felt so dark. And then I just saw myself crawl out of that hole and stand in this meadow. I mean, it gives me chills when I think about it. And I just was looking around like, oh my gosh, there's so much possibility. There's so many different paths I can go down. Life is so amazing. And it's so much more than how I was feeling before. And to me, that was, you know, life-changing in that moment because I just went from a place where I felt like doomed and like, there's no possibility and look at the state of the world to my brain opening and seeing there's so much more than that. And, um, you know, when I went in, I think my depression was like a nine out of 10. And when I left, it was a zero And, you know, you have to take a few days um, break between sessions. So when I came back, you know, I was probably at like a six and a half at that point. And then I'd go down to a zero during the session. So I think after probably like the third treatment, I feel like I really turned a corner where I felt like more like Blake and it just felt like I was coming back to myself. And I went ahead and finished the six treatments since that's what they recommend. And after that six treatment, I mean, it was like, not only did I feel like myself, but I felt like that baby Buddha, that shiny being who came out of treatment was like all the possibility in the world. And, you know, what is it that I want to do with my life? And I feel like I can show up and, you know, 
feel possibility and, and have conversations that are healthy. And I feel like I can, you know, set healthy boundaries with people and just live life in a, in a conscious, intentional way. But I was very, very particular about how I handled that treatment period. You know, I did not consume media. I was very conscious about media that I did consume, you know, absolutely no violence. I started reading again. I chose very positive things. I knew my mind is rewiring itself. I want to give it every opportunity it can to, you know, heal and be positive. I told everyone in my life, during this three weeks, I'm not going to be able to have any difficult, angry conversations. So <laughs> if we start going down that path, I'm going to be like, I can't do this right now. And that did happen in a moment where I was like, I can't do this right now. Like I need to be in a bubble. Um, and it changed my life. I mean, you know, I feel a hundred percent better, maybe 90% better now. Cause you know, life, but mm -hmm. it just changed my life. It completely brought me out of my depression. And my psychiatrist was like, I'm so happy and let's wait three months before I see you again. Let's, we don't need to add any extra medication. Let's see how you're doing. But the one thing she did say to me, and I think that this is super important for anyone who's thinking about doing ketamine treatments is that she said, Blake, ketamine, isn't the magic. You are the magic. And it's truly about what you do with this tool because it's a tool. And because I was very conscious about I'm spending this money, I'm taking this time, you know, you can't drive because it's a sedative. So my parents were taking me, I couldn't work for the rest of the day. They say, don't make any important decisions, rest, you know, give your brain time to heal. And I think because I went into it with that mindset and I was so particular about how I handled that recovery, um, that allowed me to get the most out of the treatment, but I highly mm -hmm. recommend it for anyone yeah. who's really struggling. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think you did a great job with explaining. Um, thanks for telling all of that. And just that idea that it opens up the subconscious um, mm -hmm. because that's, um, and again, we don't have to understand. I don't know if we can ever really understand how vast our brain and our subconscious is, but right. um, that's how it was explained to me in that when they were talking about Anna getting started with it, or even when she was in the middle of it, um, her therapist said, it's kind of like, you know, if you have a particular way of thinking and then you have a ketamine treatment, it does kind of like open that up and your brain starts to think about other possibilities, if you will. And if it happens to right. be with, like you said, your thoughts and depression, it's like, instead of like, oh, everything's doom and gloom. Well, maybe there are some roses and daisies, or maybe cats are really right. awesome. Or like with our daughter with eating disorders or an addiction she said that she worked with, not in my daughter in particular, but the therapist gave this example of somebody who's very stuck on like very rigid eating patterns and what they will consume and they won't even go out or they won't order Uber Eats from any place like that. And so you'll be in during a ketamine session, you start to go through those exercises, if you will, and you look at menus and let's order and let's, what would we get? Right. And oh, what would, so your, your brain starts to go through those different thoughts that are perhaps, if you will, like behaviors or actions or things that when you're happy or when you're recovered, you would be comfortable with. And so the brain starts to, again, just in a very simple terms, the brain starts to act that way. And again, those neural pathways start to get retrained. And then as mm -hmm. you come down, if you will, or you come out of the ketamine, yes, you don't you don't have those, you're not doing those things, but your brain remembers that, right? Because it's being rewired. And, exactly. um, and so it, 
then when you get into that situation, well, maybe we're going to go out to dinner. Oh, well, that's right. I could do that. Like your brain remembers that, oh, there's a possibility that that's something that could be a positive experience. Um, right. That I didn't have our daughters. Before. Right. That brain remembers that it did that. And, um, you know, our daughter said that it just opened up. I mean, it opened up obviously your subconscious, but it opened up and relaxed her enough to talk about some of the things that had been kind of buried down for so long. And so, and I, what you said that the therapist who facilitator, she was there with you. She spoke with you during the time, you know, that's what um, her therapist did, Daniel did, you know, kind of, you get a little, you get into the treatment and then you do a session or you do a lot of, as she said, we do a lot of like motivational interviewing. So you have these mm -hmm. conversations in a mo again, a motivational way that you start to think the patient starts to think about the possibilities of things that are, you know, better and things like that. And, um, and I just love what you said too, is because even when you, because we've talked about it so many times in this podcast of like, what do you find within your recovery in your life that you can put in your tool belt, right? The tools that mm -hmm. you have. And um, you found that through your recovery and with EFT and mindfulness and different things. And what I hear you saying is during that six weeks, you just stayed true to that of, again, after the treatment, doing the mindfulness, the meditation, the positive thoughts, this playing with your cats and things like that. And I've heard about, I've talked about that before with other forms of like kind of brain retraining, if you will, or amino acid therapy. Like if we can better the engine, right? We can better our, right. our brain and the functioning of that. That's great. Because then the mindfulness, the fuel that we put in our tank, if you will, can work that much better. And so we can sit and do all of the mindfulness and things like that. But again, if our brain is not really functioning for whatever it is, it's that stuff isn't going to work as effectively. So I love what you said is that you really stayed in that and you use the tools that you know of. And now you continue on with that to just make sure that you're keeping going with that tune-up that you did, right? Exactly. Because ketamine is like a jump start. Mm -hmm. It's jump starting the battery. It's jump starting the brain. And it's, you know, it's our responsibility to keep that going and to use it in order to get back to that place where we are capable of using those tools and sticking with those tools. And, you know, that's how I felt after treatment because I literally three months in this place with these other women who are struggling, like no connection with the outside world. We got like 20 minutes a week on the phone, you know, mm -hmm. and just truly focusing on healing and healing and healing and doing that subconscious work. And this was like that squished into much shorter sessions that, you know, just such a quick reaction, such a quick healing that I truly felt that same way after like, okay, you know, I'm starting fresh in this life where I feel like myself, I feel confident. I feel like I'm connected to my truest self, my spirit, you know, I know my skills, I know what I have to offer the world. And, you know, it's been maintaining that after the treatment in order for me to experience that long-term um, success. And, and I know I have heard stories of people who go in and expect it to be like this miracle worker and they don't, you know, it's like, well, it didn't work for me. Well, if this is a two-way street, it's a relationship, you know, so mm -hmm. what are you doing on your side in order to keep things going? And, you know, when she said like, 
you're the magic. I just was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so grateful that I have all these tools and there's so many things that are available, you know, I mean, mindfulness and EFT, all these things that are free that people can learn and can incorporate into their daily life. And I just think that this can be such a wonderful tool and it is a tool and you want right. to treat it like a tool, not a miracle treatment. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, um, there's, and, yeah, it is wonderful. And, you know, with our daughter, she's gone through many years and of treatment and different modalities and different things like that. And I know that there are other things that she did too in this last, but that was the big, big difference. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. she's home. She has a different mindset. If you listen to my podcast, you heard her speak a couple of weeks ago. I mean, she believes now that she was meant for something more. And yes, yes, right. Exactly. And so, so but, well said. Yeah. And, and she is, and we all believe that, but she didn't believe that for a very, very long time. And when you can, when, you know, you see anybody that you love kind of make that shift to say, yes, my life is worth living and I want to live. And within these addictions and eating disorders and this struggle, like you said, you get to the point, we've seen our daughter get to the point. I've heard other people's stories. You get to the point where like life is not worth living because it's such a struggle. It's so hard. This thing has encompassed my life and taken on an identity of its own and hijacked me. And I don't know how to get out of it. Um, And it would be easier to just end my life. You know, I'd never have understood why someone would take their life as much as, I mean, and until the last several years, when I've heard from my daughter, I've heard other stories. It's like, yeah, it just gets so bad mm-hmm. that it's like, I don't know how to get. Well, you just don't feel like you yeah, no way to get out of it. Right. Exactly. You just feel like there's no other option and that's not true, but to the person that's going through that, it is true. And, and, you know, an eating disorder is a mental illness. It starts in your mind. And exactly what you said, it takes on a life of its own. I felt like I was living with an entity. Its voice was so loud. My voice was pretty non-existent. It had become my friend because it was a coping mechanism. And it helped me get mm-hmm. through a lot of things that I, you know, I needed something and food was the only thing I could control. And I really had to undo this creation of this thing that lived with me. And, you know, when you feel like tiny and this other thing is living in your body, of course you can't see outside of that. You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very dark place and it's just exactly like what you said. I mean, ketamine opened me up to remind me I'm here for a reason, you know, and even with like everything that's going on overseas right now, like there's a lot of struggle and darkness and fear that's happening. And, you know, a few months ago that would have spun me out. Like what's the point, you know, there's just all of these things, like humans are doomed, you know? And, and now after ketamine, I was like, oh my gosh, the world needs me even more. So this Mm -hmm. is an inspiration for me to do my work and to help people and to show up as a healthy Blake. And so I feel like going from that one place to another is just, it changed my life. And I'm just Mm -hmm. truly grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And I am, um, I'm happy for you really, truly happy for you. And, um, even though we just met and I'm happy for my daughter too, cause it, we, it's that it's the beacon of hope that you're, you know, hoping for that they can have inside them themselves. You know, one, a therapist told me, I think perhaps from that retreatment center that you were at, that I know my daughter was at for a short period of time. She said, you know, never, never as a mother, you know, never give up hope. 
Because I just said, this is so hard. It's the roller coaster of up and down and she's good and then she's not. And it's just, and she said, you know, never give up hope. But she said, you just have to start to give up the expectation that she's going to recover in a nice, beautiful fashion. Well, that's, I'm like, what? But (laughs) it's, I mean, it is a way to perhaps survive a little bit as a mother or father or a friend or something of somebody that's in the midst of that addiction and and chaos and stuff like that. Um, And all that you, all that you hope for is that they'll have that hope because you continue to tell them and have that and um, have that hope for them. But I've heard so many times, well, it doesn't, I understand that I hear you mom, but I don't, you know, think my life's worth living or whatever. It just sucks. It's so hard. I can't do this. I can't do this. And yet this is a way that um, again, you've had the firsthand experience. We've seen that with our daughter and we're hopeful for it. We're hopeful for that. Um, It was, I like what you said, it's that jumpstart that, you know, sometimes you need um, and I really want to, you know, give a look, you know, just bring up and give light again to that idea that we can do things naturally. We can do the meditation, we can do natural supplementation, and there's times that medication is needed. There's just no doubt about that. Like medication, like something on a regular basis, or this is, I mean, this is a medication, you know, kind of thing, a drug, but it's used. Um, and as a in a therapeutic way that can again help to jumpstart it or get you through a period of time until you're strong enough to kind of do it, you know. Because I was kind of like in the beginning, I was like, "Oh, let's do this all naturally." Well, I've been there. Really, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's some, you know? It's kind of like dragging yourself through the you know the mud, but the meds can kind of get you to that point that it's a little bit smoother, um, right? You know, and it doesn't have to will. be hard. I think some of us, you know, especially depending on our belief system and if we have willpower, we think, oh, I can do this on my own. You know, I have all these things I can do this. Well, it doesn't have to be hard. You know, there is help and there's nothing wrong with you if you choose to get chemical support. I mean, I think that there's Mm -hmm. a taboo around that in like the Eastern medicine, like spiritual community. And I struggled with that for a long time, but I just got to a place where I'm like, I just want to live a better life. And at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, you know, I deserve to be happy. And if I need some help, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's important that we share these stories. So other people know, you know, there is something out there that can help you. I think we're also learning that there are things that can help quickly. Like it doesn't have to be this long drag out, like waiting forever to feel better. Um, and it's worth looking into the research has exploded Mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, go somewhere where you are in the care of somebody who knows what they're doing. Do not go find the drug somewhere else and do it on your own. You know, this is a a prescribed therapeutic, you know, supplemented way of getting help. And, you know, like I said, there's a facilitator, they have an eye on me, they're checking my vitals. They're making sure that, you know, I'm in a safe place emotionally and physically but you know, it's totally worth it. It was worth the investment. I would do it again, 10 times. I just Mm -hmm. think that our mental health is, you know, one of the most important things and it's time, especially with COVID that we really look at our mental health and take responsibility for our own mental health. And we can do Mm -hmm. that. And there are tools. And so, you know, like you were saying, when you're in a really dark place, like when I was in my eating disorder, I hate that I had to hit, hit rock bottom, but I'm grateful that I got to that place. And I'm grateful that, you know, some part of my mind, my spirit, my soul, and whatever it was 
gave me this moment of awareness. And I truly, truly believe that life wants us to succeed. Life wants us to live. You know, we all have divine intervention or whatever you want to call it. It's just a matter of saying yes to that hand that's being reached out to you. And I know it's hard and I've been there, but there's always, always some type of help and extension of love that's trying to get through. And if you just say yes to that one thing, you end up on this path that takes you where you want to go into a beautiful place. And even if it takes time, you know, you're supported and life wants us to live. It wants us to be happy. It wants us to be supported. So we just have to lean into that belief and those thoughts as much as we can and just take it one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Um, I, had coffee with a friend this morning and I said, sometimes we have to slow down enough to hear the voices or again, realize, cause she said something about, you know, angels coming into her life. And, you know, I said, yeah, sometimes we don't see, see them for what they are, but sometimes we just have to slow down enough. That's what somebody told me, um, uh, in a circle that I was in, she said, you know, sometimes we just have to be quiet and slow down and ground ourselves and then the answers, you know, will appear. So that was so, so beautifully said and um, a really great way to, to wrap up this conversation. Um, and again, I think a really important one, especially like you said, for, during this time of not only when people have had COVID and just all of us getting through this pandemic time where things have changed and our mental health, I mean, you just read it in the paper every day. The mental health challenges of people are, paramount now. And we need to be aware of that. And the fact that there's something like this to be like, Hey, maybe this is, you know, this is like you said, we're connecting the dots. Somebody helped to connect the dots for you. And then here was something that could help. It's just important conversations to have, especially now. So I appreciate you sharing that because I know you help people too. You have, um, Again, to help them with the EFT, which you really are passionate about, which again, yeah. I think is, is awesome. <laughs> We've had a few episodes here in the last couple of years about that. And um, I reconnected with a guest of mine after our conversation to see who was up, what he was up to. And he was so, I mean, he's doing great. The EFT is exploding too. And he's been able to, like he had a couple of side jobs and he goes, I've given those up because I've, I'm able to really help people with EFT full time. I love so that. it's That's awesome. so yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful tool. I've been using it for 12 years and I just can't rave enough about it enough. So yeah. So yeah, tell us, tell, that. yeah, tell us, tell us, um, or tell the audience too how people can find you too, if they want to connect with you about that or, or anything yeah. else. Absolutely. So I'm Blake freedom everywhere on the internet, <laughs> all social media <laughs> platforms. My website is blakefreedom.com. I have a free EFT training that you can um, access on my website. I have some resources on eating disorder, depression, things like that. Um, so come check it out, reach out to me, um, on Instagram, send me a DM. I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone, any questions that you have. I love answering them. I think this tool is amazing. And EFT has helped me to continue that experience I had with ketamine. And it's one of the tools that I've used to continue processing through stuff that's come up to keep me in that space of that openness, like we were talking about. So yeah, yeah, look yeah. me up, excellent. I'm everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Well, I was going to ask you for, well, uh, a few last words, although you gave some really beautiful ones there, but any just couple last words as we close this up today? Yeah. So um, I guess I just want to say that, you know, we've all been through so much um, in our lives through COVID 
through, you know, our lifetime. I mean, everyone has experienced some level of trauma, whether it's a little trauma or big trauma or some combination. And, you know, going through this healing, I understand what it's like to feel defeated and to feel down and to not feel, you know, just to feel like things that have happened to me have taken my power. So I think the thing to remember is that, you know, things that have happened to you are not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal. So we can take back our power by, you know, looking at what's happened to us and working through that and healing ourselves to become the best version of ourselves. So whatever that looks like for you, whether it's, you know, therapy or chemical support or ketamine or EFT or meditation, whatever it is, you have the power to take back your own life force and to carry that on into your life because you are here for a reason and life absolutely wants you to succeed. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I love that. Thank you so So, much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Like, I'm so glad to be connected with you. And like you, we talked about before, like, I don't know, but I think it was the angels bringing us together. Right. So we have no mutual friends, but somehow (laughs) we found each other. I found you. And um, so I just love it. It's just those continual reminders for um, the purpose that I stepped into this podcast for is to just and share other people's stories, stories of hope that, right, life is worth living. Um, life wants us to live. The universe wants us to live mm-hmm. and prosper and live yeah. our best lives today. So yeah. thanks for sharing all of this. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Yes, thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. And thank you again for listening. Please do share this again. There are so many that will love this story. So listeners, please share this with others. And again, thanks for coming back to listen. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook. So head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me you'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.